Hey, welcome back to the Wacky Wonderful Wise Works Real Talk. We are here on the <laughs> Real channel. Talk. We haven't <laughs> even decided what is. Did we decide on Real Talk or Real Room? No, not Real Talk, and we haven't even decided well, on Real Room either. We said we're okay. We're, okay. we're mulling. We're, we're, we're still mulling. mulling. We're stewing. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm going with Real Talk. No, that's Josh's vote. Hey, I, you know, I, I, I don't mind. I actually, I don't mind either of those, any of those, actually. Um, Welcome to the studio channel and welcome to the podcast studio channel channel listeners, because (laughs) we are here on the studio channel. Right, right. Yeah. And we haven't, we haven't rebranded yet, um, but we will. But now we're on the studio channel. We're rebranded. We've, we've you know, kind of moved everything over here. Mm-hmm. And this is the first episode on the studio channel, correct? Yeah, it is. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, so That's exciting. For the people who mm-hmm. are in the studio channel and maybe aren't familiar with this, we have a pod <laughs> podcast. We're not calling it that anymore, but we used to have it on our WiseWorks podcast channel. But now we're moving it over to the studio channel just for, you know, for a couple of different Exposure reasons. Exposure reasons. Yeah, exposure and uh, and focused energy reasons, right? Because <laughs> yeah. so uh, growing two channels is hard. Growing one is a bit easier. So that is that's true. what we're and, doing. Uh, so for the studio channel listeners, be looking out for this podcast coming out every Friday at noon. That's yeah. when we're when we're when it's coming out. So yeah. Friday at noon. On top of everything else that we have on the studio channel, we're also now releasing this show on this channel so be looking out for it um it will be under the podcast tab or under the live tab however you want to find us right 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 so yeah we'll be doing we'll be doing all kinds of cool new stuff on the studio channel but really we're just adding one main thing to the studio channel so it feels like a lot and it's really just one simple thing yeah um it's it's not that much we're just kind of consolidating consolidating that's a powerful word Mm-hmm. And and it's a corporate word consolidation, um, yes. and I think I think as we consolidate, we're thinking more like a corporate-minded uh, group of men, you know, thinking like mm. business. And I think I, this is one thing I did leave out of our meetings that I think is important. And Joshua, forgive me because this is like business related, but I do think we should be more <laughs> like. I do think we should be more like the PBD podcast and wear suits to these podcasts. Uh, so okay, I think I think I'm if down. we were to start wearing suits, Hard we will be taking taken professionally, right, and be taken I like seriously. I liked the suits thing, but um, at work I have to wear. You know, I've I've for a while the work I do outside of WiseWorks, I have to wear a polo shirt, mm-hmm. and I've always I I'm not I'm not a fan of having to everybody kind of wear the same thing. I've never been a fan of that. So I like the suit idea, but. Maybe not. We'll see. We could be looking I, like Jordan Peterson, just just buttoned up and snazzy. I don't think I don't think a collared like polo adds anything to anything. <laughs> I'm and I'm serious here. I don't think it makes you look professional. I don't think it makes you look. It's for some reason we've stuck with the collars. Collars mm-hmm. are they're just collars. It's they're just terrible. a fashion thing, and it's not. I don't know. Uh, it's just a shirt. Look, the, I I think I think we were we were doing something correct when we were doing back in the day the collars that were flipped up. 
so you could mm -hmm. see the tie and just right here just the corners were coming down you know what i mean no i don't just i don't care for the very corners. <laughs> no, no 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 i don't no, care for that. It, i'm just saying it resembles it, 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 a turtleneck you know a like fancy i like the collars were great when we were covering ties with them mm. that's yeah. they they were nice when we were using them to conceal the you know the, the tie, tie around and and the tie fit nice and snug no tie uh it's just a shirt with a collar so you're yeah. saying you're pro collar with a tie you're uh, anti collar with I'm no I'm, I'm not anti collar I'm anti Polo? um I'm anti the the this 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 like culture that you know the polo collared shirt is professional mm, you yeah. know that you have to have a collared shirt in order to I look think, like a professional so you think it's, it's not it's, it's I don't think it's propaganda it's a press I think it I is. think the only appropriate a button up time looks better. Right. Okay. <laughs> I think the appro the only appropriate time to wear a polo over a button down is when you're playing golf. You know, the golf people kind of they've kind of you can use um, branded the the you know the the golf people branded the polo shirt and so I'm going to give that to them. Any other okay. time you should be wearing a button down. Okay, yeah, you know what? You're right. Golf has it. It is kind of a brand for golf uh, to wear the polo shirt. And right. That's kind of that's kind of the thing. Just the same way, the same way, like jerseys are with football and baseball. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it needs to stay in that lane. Okay. So when you, you know, see this, Wyatt, I don't, I don't you're want. Just thinking, I don't need a. I don't need a boss saying you need to wear this polo shirt right. because it's <laughs> no, our. No, no. It's our, our uniform. Work attire, yeah. That's or work attire. It's like, dude, give me a give me just a pullover t shirt and I'll tuck it in. Mm hmm Imagine if all men just walked around with wearing one of these. Just Man. constantly wearing just useless collars. Look, just it, it is. It's actually a useless collar. It's buttons useless. at the top with a collar that does nothing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't accentuate always... anything. It doesn't it just it. The buttons know. are are, are weird to me. I'm I don't understand the you know you could kind of button up or you could kind of button down a little bit and yeah it's literally like dress up or dress down kind of situation. But like and, the the full buttons are one thing because you know it, it's it's snazzy mm -hmm. to like button all your buttons. But this collared shirt with just a tiny bit of button here, it's like mm -hmm. can it go tight to my neck or can it go loose to my neck? And mm -hmm. uh, that's a little odd. See, I prefer a shirt like this. I just don't want it to be tucked in, and I don't want the collar to be there. But I like the little buttons. Okay, yeah, I don't you mind the buttons at a... the top, you yeah, know, because but... that's – look, if we're going for fashion, if we're talking about fashion, and that's all this is, is fashion, mm -hmm. there's no use here mm -hmm. um, or practicality. Then A it, sweat jacket. I, I prefer just the buttons for the fashion. Okay. If we're doing the the couple buttons at the top, because you can unbutton one and it, I don't know, it kind of looks snazzy. Yeah. But right. I don't know. The, 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 the collar is just like this fashion, um, fashion leech. Forward. It's a, it's a fashion leech, leech that is just held. It's, it, it grabbed onto the polo shirt and just held mm -hmm. on. Um, right. And, and it's so that people can look professional while wearing a t-shirt and look, yeah, I think I, this 
originates with the idea of suits mean you're putting an effort mm. and you're fancy. Mm -hmm. So they, they created the polo to say, well, you don't want to wear a suit, but you want to create an atmosphere. An atmosphere of, of fancy. Of fancy. And so that's yeah. why employers and that's why, you know, Sunday evenings at churches, all these mm -hmm. parents making their kids and making their employees wear these uncomfortable shirts that it's were only and they're not they're not necessarily uncomfortable they're just it's you it's a useless bit of arbitrary fashion but it sets that's the tone funny. and that that's the thing it's a tone setter it's useless and it sets the same way like a tie a tie is useless. Even, it's actually back in it's actually a choking hazard a tie right it could well, be, i mean strangulation even, hazard for some reason the tie aesthetic just works though it's one of those fashion things that we've found that that works really well that it just for some reason there's with especially with a suit and the tie it's like there's there's an aesthetic thing at least in like the 90s when people were wearing a bunch of t-shirts over top of like the polo and you popped that collar mm -hmm. you were doing something interesting with it mm -hmm. bro when people <laughs> so were popping collars when people Pop had collars. frosted tips and baggy pants and we're popping, popping collars. collars on polo shirts. Mm -hmm. uh, Heat. Heat. You should have been born Fashion. like five years earlier so you could have been a part. You know no, I mean? he should have been born 10 years earlier. 10 years earlier, then I could have been a part years. of that. And you yeah. would have had the frostiest of tips. Frostiest you had, of tips. Frosty. You would have had the baggiest of pants. Baggiest of pants. <laughs> and you yes. had the poppiest of pop collars. Bro, I sometimes, I sometimes, <laughs> the on my way to work. Collar. I sometimes on my way to work, I turn on like the old like hip hop, mm -hmm. you know, channel, like hip hop from the 90s. And I'm just like, bum, bum. Mm -hmm. I'm like this you is know, awesome. <laughs> Why you know, this did I not grow up with this hip hop? This is funny because, you know, me and Joseph, we kind of, I don't know when it was early teens or, or I guess early high school. We kind of had this, you know, the station, it was 90. 90.3 on the radio. You know mm. what I'm talking about, Joseph? Yes. Where it was the oldies station. Yes. They always played. It Saturday wasn't even like, night at the movies, you know? Yeah, it wasn't even like old old rock or like, mm. it was it was like oldies station. Yeah, it wasn't, it, wasn't was 80s, our, station. it wasn't like 80s hard rock when Kiss and Queen and all them started coming out. Yeah. We're talking about like 60s and 70s. Yeah. We're, we're like Peter, Paul, and Mary kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah. Kind of like, I'm leaving on a jet plane. That kind of stuff. You know what I mean? That's and insane. I, 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 I can't that, stand man. that kind of music. <laughs> I had a time with it. It was fun. We had a time. I, I don't know why... This is always stuck in my head, but I remember you trying to explain this to Kenzie that you listen to this kind of music, yeah. and it was super funny to me. <laughs> it's fun, and there's something, yeah, there's something uh, time traveling about it, and it it was the hot music of the day. And so, if you don't appreciate it in some fashion, then you're saying like, well, that whole time period and all these artists had no taste. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. And so, you know, you got to appreciate it for what it is. Oh, no, no, no. I'm I'm not saying they don't have taste. I just, I personally find it kind of boring. And I know, I understand why it was the way it was. It was, you know, it was nice. It was relaxing. We were kind of in a sort of psychedelic, you know, people were not wanting to think about war and mm -hmm. 
suffering. And so these calming kind of adventure happy stuff. maybe happy songs were, you know, what was kind of resonating with people. Right. You didn't uh, have to put your heart on your sleeve because you already, man, during wartime, it's like mm-hmm. if you if you let your heart on your sleeve, then every everyone has the opportunity to just fall into a hold on. dark place with that. You no, know, you, so you couldn't. You couldn't until you got into a more privileged culture. You can't say not hard on the sleeve because there were songs. Everyone had deep sadness because of lost loves and lost uh, sons. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was heart on their sleeve. Their heart was on their sleeve, but it was like about different stuff. It was, you know, uh, Carolina on my mind now. It was, you know, (laughs) thinking about being in Carolina. Yeah, like I'm, def- I'm definitely thinking more of the I'm definitely thinking more of the the movement of um uh the yeah that that sort of 60s 70s definitely yeah. 70s war war movement um mm-hmm. where there was a lot of psychedelic hippie stuff coming out oh, and was. you know it, it it was it was a big culture around you know um not wanting to I, I'm not going to say not wanting to acknowledge, but just not, you know, not wanting to be in that mindset of, you know, yeah. war. You know, uh, the, you know, we're talking about music and stuff that came out of that generation. There was a lot of, because of, uh, you're talking about war and stuff, there was a lot of stuff that was odd that came out of that um, era. Like, a princess living with seven short dudes. Say it. Say it. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. That's yeah. such a, you know, that's an odd story. Such an, and important, that, an important story. It, right? I, mm. I, I guess it was important, but I feel like if we didn't have it, we'd still be the same. It just... <laughs> Well, well, okay, so you're not wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. If we didn't have it, didn't would have we... It, would yeah. be <laughs> it didn't um, like define anything i don't think hold on but no it well, did it, define it, it it did define it some things define. all right listen it didn't change anybody okay and they're trying to do it today so listen they they're obviously we we all know the news about about they're making a a non-white woman play a very white character she's right? white mm. she's white no she's not she's not, not caucasian all. right no, nah, if, if we sat her, if we sat her next to, if we sat her next to you, you'd look like the tundra. Mm-hmm. I mean, they should have slapped a wig on you and put some put some red lipstick on. There, you, then we'd have Snow White. We'd have Snow White. <laughs> put a little red bow, a popped mm-hmm. collar. <laughs> you know, popped I mean, collar. <laughs> <laughs> she got that polo um, on. Living that clear life, but you know, oh, uh, she's Snow White's on some clear life. White. Let me say this: No, Rachel Zegler's not. No, she's, she's not. She's, so. She's a, 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 about 11 months ago. She made some comments, and uh, I think this is really when they announced the film um, mm. and, and officially announced who it was who she was mm-hmm, playing mm-hmm. and everything. And so she made some comments about the upcoming movie, which I think we should react to, and I think a lot of people already have seen. But we're going to watch yes. them, and then we're also going to look at what some people that are connected to the original Snow White have to say and um yeah let, let's just and we'll share all our thoughts so let's go ahead and watch hold up before, before okay go no that's, let's, i was gonna say 
I really, really enjoyed the movie, the West Side Story remake done by Steven mm. Spielberg. I really enjoyed Rachel Rachel Ziegler. Yeah, she's not a bad actress. I really um, enjoy Steven she Spielberg. A, she might just be a bad person. <laughs> and West Side Story was a good movie. It was a good remake. And then, you know, things are coming out now. And I don't know what happened, but Rachel Ziegler just, you know. Listen. She, j- she jumped on that uh, that that Hollywood woke train. Yeah. Look, look, look. Let's watch this and then. And then we'll, we'll come back to that idea of her being a bad person. Mm. <laughs> All right, here we go. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that? I just mean that it's no longer 1937. And we absolutely wrote a Snow White. That she's is, not going to be yeah, saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince. And she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. And the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And so it's just a really incredible story for, I think, young people everywhere to see themselves in. Snow White is running for president. <laughs> I got really emotional hearing everybody's reactions to it, which was really, really incredible. And so I feel very blessed to be a part of something that seems to be very important to a lot of people, including myself. I know that you've told me before that your version of Snow White is different, and it's more of a 2022 version of Snow White. What did you mean by that? I mean, you know, the the original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. (laughs) Um, There is a big focus on her love story. Um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Weird. Super weird. So we didn't do that this time. <laughs> so, no, so no prince or a different mm-hmm. kind of prince? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because, like, we cast a guy in the movie. Right. Andrew Burnap, great dude. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be, but uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024 um all of andrew's scenes could get cut who knows it's hollywood baby but it's it's one of those things it's an inner it's an inner journey that she goes on to find her true self and she meets a lot of people along the way that that make the journey really incredible interesting Hmm. um so she she says we a lot we wrote this movie we're writing we're Mm -hmm. that makes me that that makes me almost wonder if um whoever is involved in making this movie, if they were just like, what do you think we should do with your character? Mm-hmm. They didn't write anything. They were just like, what do you want to do? And she was just like, oh, okay, we can do whatever I want to do. And because you actors don't talk like that. They don't yeah. talk like, like we wrote this movie to be a certain way, you know, uh, and, and we're seeing a lot of that now in Hollywood of actors saying well when we approached this movie it's like i i don't think you approached this i think you just did what you were told you're yeah you just you just and the problem is i think what's happening is the the directors and writers are being like you are just as much a part of the writing of this character as we are and we want to make sure it appeals to your this and that well i mean okay i i I've I've got two things I need to say, mm. but one is more of a question. So one is I feel like here we're getting this. I'm taking back to kind of what I was saying about mm-hmm. her in general, Rachel Ziegler. I think she got she's getting a big head because she's getting fame now. Um, she didn't yeah. have a lot of fame, and so we're seeing this era of 
she's got this big head because she's got fame now. Um, that's what I saw in that interview. And then uh, also, Joseph, I got a question. You know, mm. as the married one of the bunch, um, how is stalking your wife? Uh, stalking? Yeah, how is, how is stalking her, your wife? Uh, you know, really? Look, when it comes to dating or when it comes to to approaching a woman in period, it, there's always stalking involved. It just comes down to if the woman who enjoys stalking or not allows you to uh, to marry them ultimately. And so, well, I think uh, men, I, men uh, in general, stalkers. That's what we are. Okay, <laughs> I think. Hey, the, hey, don't, don't, I don't want to. I don't think that. I don't think that um, women are. I, I think their idea of what a relationship is is you know you you are a. Just independent, miserable woman until one day, you know, you decide that you want to marry the guy that's stalking you. Hey, can you? uh, (laughs) That's what they think it is. There's always they they think that it's once I decide that the that the this rich guy that is obsessed with me. Once I decide that I want him, then okay. Hey, you know the trend on YouTube that's like former FBI agent explains or or former Mm -hmm. this person explains. Can you put as the title of this video on the studio channel, former stalker reviews (laughs) (laughs) Rachel Taylor's comment? Joseph Wisner, former stalker. (laughs) So listen, um, I don't think – Look, if I if I'm trying to take as as gracious of an approach at this as possible, and we're about mm. to look at the son of the original director for the 1937 Snow White, what he had to say about Disney's approach to this new remake for live action. Not necessarily about her, but she is the voice of what the yeah. Impression she of she film keeps is right saying now. we. This is our movie that we are um, making. If I'm gonna take a, if I'm gonna take a gracious approach, I think, I think, she is not a bad actor. She's also not a bad person. I, I think there's a combination here. I think she, I think, I think she is starting to get fame. I do think that Disney makes a decision to lean this way, right? Mm. And she is the face of the project. Her personal values might align with that. Or they might not. She doesn't really mm-hmm. have a choice either way, you know? So when people yeah. are going to come out and, and she she's preemptively saying these things, so she's going to be critiqued. But when the movie comes out, imagine how much she'll be critiqued then too, you know? Yeah. How much people are going to hate on her for a movie that Disney greenlit, a story that Disney greenlit, you know? Yeah, but she noticed that every time, anytime She takes that, responsibility whether it's her decision or not. Well, anytime, anytime an actor says, I really hope that you guys watch this movie and enjoy this movie, and, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of it, and, and they really make an effort to, like, uh, uh, connect with the people who are going to watch the movie instead of alienate them, um, whether the movie is they good or not, whether yet, they're... Yeah. Whether their whether their performance is good or not, people are like, well, you know, at least they were passionate about this and they wanted yeah. us to enjoy their project. Whereas when they do something like this, and it's like, well, you know, all all you people who loved the original movie and grew up on the original movie and had so much fun with the original movie, that's bad. Mm-hmm. You're Especially bad. The, that's part, bad. the fun part of the movie, which is the dwarves. Yeah, yeah, that's bad, and we are going to make it better. And if you love love stories, 
Yeah. If yeah, if it's you, not if, a love you story. if you love the the idea that a man would be so interested in a woman that he would pursue her to have mm. a conversation to say like, hey, hey, uh, I really like you. I, I want to pursue you. You know what I mean? That's mm. so incredibly terrible in their minds that a man yeah. would pursue a woman. You know what I or, mean? Or or you know, if you want. That I know they want they want to change the language of it. You know, it's like a uh, magic mirror on the wall. Who's fairest of them all? Yeah, you know they want they woman. want they don't want fair <laughs> to mean attractive. They want fair to mean fair, capable, with, <laughs> capable, and judgment. And yeah, what did uh what did the original creator what did his son say? Yeah, what all right. This? So let me share this tab for you guys. So this is an article. Um, What's it's, it's, do we have a titled, picture of this guy? Uh, I, didn't, I haven't looked him up. Oh, uh, okay. I haven't looked up his picture. It doesn't. It looks okay. Snow White director's son criticizes insulting Disney remake starring Rachel Ziegler. Um, so this is basically what he had to say. Um, it's a whole different concept, and I just totally disagree with it. And I know my dad and Walt would be very much uh would also very much disagree with it ha- uh hand said i believe his name is hand or his last name or something david hand david hand okay there you go his dad he called it david hand okay so this is his last name he called it a disgrace that disney is trying to do something new with something that was such a great success earlier their thoughts are just so radical now they change the stories. They change the thought process of the characters. They make up new woke things. I believe he said woke. That's crazy that he, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's awesome that he's at least pointing it out. Um, things that I'm not, that I'm just not into any of that. I find it quite frankly, a bit insulting uh, that they make, that they have done what they have done with these classic films. There's no respect for, what Disney did and what my dad did, I think Walt and he would be turning in their graves. He also goes on to mention um, a summarized idea that there, this is a pivotal film for mm. Disney as a company and for oh, entertainment yeah, as a company because this is the first uh, feature film that was in an animated form. Mm-hmm. It was also yeah. the first, I believe it was the first non-black and white. Color. Yeah, yeah, and and it color. and it proved it proved that uh um what is it? A movie movie animations could be successful. Mm-hmm. And that, also that uh yeah, they they could work. Look, Disney it, they worked so hard on the original. Disney put all their eggs in one basket mm-hmm. and th- he was basically saying like, look, my dad has told me stories how Disney company would not be around if this movie was not was received not or completed. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Disney was literally, this is a make or break moment for Disney. And the fact that, you know, people like Rachel Zegler and everybody involved with this film who is pro changes and pro shaming the story and the concepts around the 1937 version. It's incredibly disrespectful to Disney. It's incredibly disrespectful to Walt, um, Walt's vision for the company. However you feel about Walt, uh, he mm-hmm. did a lot of really cool things for entertainment uh, with his company. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, it has just progressively gone. That vision is long lost. What, what Walt Disney initially put out, that vision is gone. 
way gone as far as uh, and what he I, wanted the company to as, be. I mean, as 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 much as we can say, uh, anim- how good animation looks now and how um, how great the stories are. I you can sit and watch Snow White. You mm-hmm. can. It's mm-hmm. not like I would say Beauty and not Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Sleeping Beauty is harder to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah, sleeping because Sleeping Beauty's a slower kind of movie, mm-hmm. but Snow White is so interesting to watch. It's the animation is great, the colors are vibrant, and yeah. you know the story is simple, but it's there and diversity they, they do of so much. Of yeah, characters and, and and movement. I mean, if mm-hmm. if you have the aspect of um, Snow White <clears throat> and the Queen. And then mm-hmm. them, like basically the queen becoming jealous and has like this, uh, in some ways, Jezebel reaction to where she's like, just yeah. kill her. You know what I mean? And so she has to escape for her life. And she has this interesting connection with nature and it's very flowery. And, and then we and introduce then, these seven unique characters <laughs> well, that are funny even the, and silly even, on screen. You know, they, they, they use this for an entire movie was the, the huntsman not being willing to kill her. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of interesting things happening. The fact that he, you know, he didn't want to kill her. He deceives the queen with like a pig's heart. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then she makes a connection with the dwarves. And, and, just, it's, it's, and they invite her into in their life, into their world, right. into this mystical the, the world. Prince, it's like, be a part of the, our community. I, I don't think the prince saves her. He, uh, you know, it's the dwarves. Dies. Yeah, she you died. Know, the dwarves save her, and the prince has just been looking for her this whole time because she's been in the middle of nowhere. But he's the one, um, he's the one who can wake her up. I, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of interesting. You bring up the huntsman. Uh, you know, it just comes back to today's modern culture. I don't think they'll put this in the film, but you know, the blue collar gentleman is always the guy that <laughs> that's willing to <laughs> do the right thing. Uh-huh. You know, the construction worker. <laughs> yeah, the collared mercenary. Yeah. <laughs> With that polo on. <laughs> um okay, so I did wanna I did wanna go into this because there's something that Emily Blunt said. Uh mm. After oh, did, you know, in an interview, what did Emma Variety, say about this? Oh, not about this specifically, but this is something that, that can be applied to this, okay? Because we're seeing it constantly and constantly. And she had a take a few years back after when she was promoting one of her movies. So um, this article is called Emily Blunt Rails Against Strong Female Lead Label. It's the worst thing ever, and I'm bored of it. Okay, And Emily Blunt, I believe – I mean I think she's an incredible actor. I think she understands understands acting and and diving into characters way more than than most most, – women actors, I think, and mo- most men actors as well. So this is kind of uh, a quote that she had to say. It's the worst thing ever when you open a script and read the words strong female lead, Blunt said. Mm. That makes me roll my eyes. I'm already out. I'm bored. Those roles are written as incredibly stoic. Uh, you spend the whole time acting tough and saying tough things. But, and and you know, let's see. The English stars Blunt as a former woman. So this is kind of when she's promoting a specific show. Let's see if she wears this specific, specific. I love uh, a character with aspect. Oh, let's see. Um, Blunt joins a growing list of 
female actors who have spoken out against the strong female lead label. She-Hulk attorney at law actor uh, Tatiana Mansell. Maslani. Maslani. (laughs) Tatiana Maslani. Told The Guardian in August that it's frustrating for roles to be reduced to that one strong trait. Um, it's reductive, Mazzolani added. It's just as much of a shaving off of the nuance as just as much as a trope. So it's basically becoming a trope is what she's trying to say. Mm-hmm. So there's multiple women here. And I think um, I think that's more recently, uh, Tatiana mm-hmm. had to say. But well, Emily she's, Blunt, she's, she's 100% on the, the, the woke train. The woke train. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, you're right. I, I think I even heard uh, Sigourney Weaver say that you know she loved playing ellen ripley and she loved playing these kind of stoic strong characters and they were great Mm -hmm. for her career but she she prefers playing the more girly womanly characters yeah i think really liked getting into those roles where she could be you know very much a a woman and it's not even so much about it's not even so much about trying to emphasize the fact that they're a woman and so they have mm. incapabilities. Really, it's, I think the interesting thing is nuance, is mm-hmm. saying like, here's a character, here's their limitations. Gender does play into that. You know what I mean? What limitations mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. What the interesting story is, is how do they, in, in aspects, either overcome or work alongside with those limitations to reach their the end goal of the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it can be personal limitations, whether you're talking about a character who has, uh, I don't know, who's bound to a wheelchair or something. You know what I mean? What does the end of that story look like? I mean, look at look at uh, John Green's story that touched everyone's hearts a few years back. You know, uh, yeah. what is that? What's the one? A star something, something, something. It's, it's the one that was about the kids with cancer. And it's, it's oh, yeah, incredibly yeah, yeah. tragic. Um, yeah, the, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> if it comes to mind, so much. Oh, I don't, I don't know. remember what it's called. But those are we. It's it's a love the story. Fault in our stars. In our stars. Um, it's a love story, and it's incredibly tragic. But the interesting thing is, is that it's about a girl and a boy who have struggles, and they're learning to enjoy life for now because they mm-hmm. are not promised the next day or the next week. And so yeah. nuance is important. Uh, it's, it is. it's not just about, you know, being, and, and the problem is, you know, the, the, the rhetoric isn't wrong necessarily of um, uh, making a, a, a more dynamic and a more interesting um female protagonist it's mm-hmm. we want interesting we do want interesting but that I, I think you're doing a disservice to all the incredibly interesting and and cool and great female protagonists that there has been uh by saying you know reducing them to say like we haven't had this but we have mm-hmm. and 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 they keep going on the same talking points of it 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 doesn't need to be about a man it doesn't need to be about you know this or that but you know relationships are important to people yes. mm-hmm. um you know who you love is important to you and mm. is uh, a, should be a part of your story and shouldn't just be sidelined as um not an important part it should be a right. big part 
look, I have I have homework for you guys or anyone listening. Okay. If yeah. if you want to be interested, go ahead and watch the most recent Keira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. That is a romance drama, and it is as it is as uh, oppressive culturally to women as it gets. All right, mm-hmm. tell me that you don't find her character to be strong and interesting in that story in an environment where the goal is not to make her a strong independent woman but rather to battle back and forth you know with what she is with who she loves with her family's expectations tell me that's not an interesting character and, and tell you me know she's what? not strong in her own right and not having to be like this I don't need no man kind of I don't woman, I don't know about you guys I don't know about you guys, but in kind of the culture I was brought up in, um, almost I, I, I I'm I'm gonna say that there were there's definitely some um, some outliers and and some you know some diff some some what do you call it uh, exceptions to this rule, but a lot of the women I grew up with knowing are very independent minded. You know, yeah, and yeah. yet, and yet, also uh, very feminine in nature, and how yeah. they, you know, act and talk, and but also very, you know, because uh, it's awesome. They're not. To be they're a not woman. pushovers. That's Look, for sure. It's awesome to be a woman for womanly things. You don't have to mm-hmm. be a woman. Doesn't need to look more like a man to be awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, yeah. that's what the whole thing is, is they want, they, Hollywood wants women to be pretty men. Well, to be pretty and act like men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, no, they want them to be pretty and be able to do the things that men do. Men do. Yeah. It's like, and that, have that's, done for thousands and women, thousands. Women thousands can do certain things, but if you define what an mm-hmm. independent woman is, meaning like she can do flips and yeah. beat up a whole based, crowd based of men on, on Based on what women can't normally do, then yeah freaking make it's awesome to be a woman for all the things women can do not awesome to be a woman because she can do anything a man can do that's not a good stress test men are over here saying like it's awesome to be a man because we can do everything a woman can do i'm sorry that's just not the case and it shouldn't be the case the the other way around okay Mm -hmm. Um, because men and women are awesome uniquely and and it goes even further than that as individuals right so there's like a broad category of what your gender is and then there's individual gender uh, individual categories of who you are as a person and i think diving into that for story who you yeah, are as a person is more, more interesting. interesting who the person is has nothing to do with what your is between your legs mm-hmm. you know what i mean and if they were saying that if they were talking about that it's like who is like you know the intricacies person like- Who's the what are the because I I, that's my I think my biggest complaint about the original movie is that there's there's not a ton of depth with Snow White and with the prince and who they are as people. Yeah, like what are are Snow White's like? Yeah, what are Snow White's deep? um, Yeah, motivations. Like, let's hear more of that as opposed to all the things that she says of like what she who she wants to be and what she wants to do and. You know, what kind of the things that have been imparted on her by her family, that can all be a part of basically the original story. You just have to put it in there. You don't actually have to change the original story at all. You just have to deepen those two characters to make their conclusion more satisfying. 
which that's what successful yeah. remakes do, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we don't need, we don't need to accomplish that by just basically saying the prince is creepy and she doesn't need the prince anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he might not even, he does kind of look creepy. You had a picture. <laughs> Did I? I just look. He, I he, I don't know what the guy looks. You ha you said you had IMDb. Are we gonna look at that? Oh no, I, that's for the next topic. <laughs> oh okay. But I'll pull up the prints. Are, are we? Uh, well, I guess let's let's get to that when we get to that. I guess. Yeah, I know. I'm not trying to move us along or anything. Um, I'm not. I'm not trying to force it, us into the next segment or anything. Right. I was okay. just curious. Well, I am. This, this dude is a bit is a bit creepy looking. Let me share this screen. <laughs> This guy they just go. Guy. They just go and pick like you oh, know. Oh, the, the animated prince. Oh, the yeah. animated prince. Oh, well, he's anime. I was talking about the prince in the, uh, the live set action. photos. Yeah, the live oh, action. Oh, really? I thought. Yeah, I thought you had a picture of that. Okay, somewhere. let's see the prince from Snow White. Let me try twenty twenty three. Didn't you have this in the? I thought you had a slide for it. No, I don't have a slide for it. Oh, okay. so you're talking about the guy who plays him? Right? Maybe that. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to see what he. Young Hades. Yeah, there was a. He he's not unattractive. It was just like the 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 way he was in one of the photos. He looked really yeah. weird, hmm. and that's what I figured. I, that's what I figured the case was because he's like kind of like looking at her from the side, and he looks a little <laughs> a uh, little odd, creepy. But you know, straight on, I figured, yeah, he's probably pretty attractive. Yeah, it's I mean, interesting you know, that she says that in the interview that maybe they'll just cut. Yeah, he, cut he all his scenes. Bit. It's like, okay, that's a really strange thing to say. Mm -hmm. Are you telling me that his his role in the movie is so insignificant that they might get to the edit bay and be like, let's just remove the prince entirely? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is funny. And it, he's like so inconsequential to the story that they could just remove him completely. It's yeah. like, that's a crazy thought and a crazy thing for her to say. Mm-hmm. It's like it's not gonna make it's not gonna give you any problems with the story by removing him. Mm -hmm. Like you could just do it if you want. That's crazy, man. That's I'll not tell a you how story. I'll tell you how they uh, they they will. Um, uh, what's I'll tell you how they they like reconcile the name Snow White. Uh, her father's name will be like you know, White Leonard White, the King King <laughs> Leonard White. Mm -hmm. Um. And he named his daughter Snow or something. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's, that's how they'll reconcile not, it. So it'll it'll be wanna... so unbelievably simple. Yeah, definitely. We don't want to. We don't want to enforce that this is supposed to be a Caucasian girl. Mm -hmm. No, and what and watch yourself, uh, women in Hollywood, because the more and more we go down this road, more and more uh, white girl roles are going to disappear. They only want racially ambiguous or just yeah. Not isn't Caucasian, that weird? There, right? It's 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 becoming a tr almost a trend to cast racially ambiguous because yeah. you can you or can to cast recast them for, with with you, racially ambiguous. You can cast ambiguous. a person. Yeah. You can cast a person who's racially ambiguous in all you know almost any any role. That's why Gal Gadot uh, gets so many roles. Gal Gadot. That's why Oscar Isaac gets a bunch of roles. That's why Pedro mm -hmm. Pascal gets a bunch of roles mm -hmm. because you can you can put them in anything. Yeah, and I mean that's that's fun for certain things, uh, but if we're talking about diversity here, 
you know, don't we kind of want to have all the colors of the rainbow on? Uh, I mean, you know, just on display. Slap, slap a nose, a fake nose on her, and you know, she can be a Jewish. <laughs> That's right. What, <laughs> what Bradley Cooper's up to these days. He's putting on fake noses. He's like fake uh, noses. What are they talking about with the prince and Snow White? I don't care. Give me that Jewish nose. <laughs> it kind of yeah. makes you that ridiculous scene. You know the. The really ridiculous scene on um, Alice in Wonderland, the Tim Burton version, where like the lady's nose falls off and she's like, oh, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's Hollywood. Everybody's uh, uh, fake appendages are just falling off. They're all just white people. (laughs) Take that (laughs) shot from the movie and just be like Hollywood today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right, right. They just they just have on they just have on. prosthetic large areas to try to make the big headed queen feel okay about herself. That's that's so funny. <laughs> Who's the big headed queen in Hollywood? Is it just the Hollywood system or is it um, collectively everybody who's in probably Hollywood? Kathleen Kennedy? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, probably the heads of these companies. I mean, like the, you know, the head of the Disney, heads the head of, the head head of Disney. boards of or, yeah Disney Warner the Brothers you know. so you're telling me these these Hollywood strikes are just them choosing to take off their appendage their fake appendage and be uh, like maybe, we want to be normal maybe uh no I think they want more they want more appendage they want <laughs> give more us, they, give us bigger appendage please bigger appendages <laughs> <laughs> all right um you know speaking all this of rachel zegler i wanted to also uh well first say thank you shelby <laughs> yeah shout out thank shout you i was about to say is rachel zegler one of our patreon supporters uh, you know <laughs> we wouldn't i would have totally breathed br- she's like br- not anymore look i would be a sellout <laughs> i would be a sellout and just not ever mention any of this if she was on our page if she was <laughs> oh my god because i'm not but i'm not gonna a, we lost i would disagree with her today. i would disagree with her but i wouldn't knowingly try to talk i would hardcore disagree with her but i would mm-hmm. not bring up that if someone who is financially supporting the show i would not say i would not do a whole segment on her you know what i mean yeah so joseph is, what is would you? a yes man for anybody who's a patreon supporter <laughs> I'm a yes man if you pay me. So if you want to be a yes, yeah, if, if you want to if be a yes, be yes man by Wiseworks, then join our Patreon. Yeah, yeah, you'll be the ultimate yes man. Mm. And uh, and if you call me a sellout, if you call me a you know a money hungry content creator, if you call mm-hmm. me all these things, uh, that's your opinion. Yeah, and you can have those opinions opinion. on the Patreon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, guess what? Rachel's not on the Patreon, opinions. so we talked not like, yet. Friggin'. We'll get her talk like 40 minutes on just her. we'll get her though um, we'll get so her. listen uh thank you shelby for being a patreon supporter your she enjoys all kinds of cool stuff over there on patreon including the podcast early including mm-hmm. an, an exclusive pre-show we do every week that's only on patreon we talk about yeah. wild stuff over there and have arguments and really let our hair down if you want to if if you can use that metaphor so um go check us out we have other stuff there as well as archived catalogs of content mm, so some of us do some of us let our hair down those of us who still have the long hair uh, yeah. i've been letting you my hair abandon the years. culture abandoned you the abandoned culture. our culture i'm countercultural, bro <laughs> <laughs> countercultural. um thank you shelby for being a patreon supporter speaking yeah, of rachel zegler yeah i mean is this the rachel zegler episode oh yeah yeah did you just this like, guy? This is the picture I saw. That's not the prince uh, in the new movie, is it? No, no, no. This is, 
this is this the is guy, what is the this Hunger from? Games? This is a ballad. Oh, this is a Hunger Games. Okay. Young I was like, no. this. I was like, if this guy is the prince, he's looking kind of. He's this is what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this is from the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. This is the man who plays President Snow before he was yeah. president. Young okay. President Snow. Um. So let me read the synopsis. Or actually, you know what? Star Trek pin on. Can you guys read? Are you? Is this? Is this large enough for you to read it? We can try. Let's see. What is it? I'm trying to share my screen. Hold on. Share, share. Here we go. Is that large enough for you to read? Because I always do all the reading. Can you read that? Let me see. Let me pull it up. Can you see why I can't see that good enough to read? It says, "Um, oh my gosh, this name." Coriolanus, Coriolanus, Coriolanus Snow, Coriolanus, Coriolanus Snow at 18 years before he would become the tyrannical president of Panem. Uh, young Coriolanus uh, is handsome and charming, and oh, there we go. Though the Snow family has fallen on hard times, uh, he's seen a chance for a change in his fortunes when he is chosen to be a mentor for the 10th Hunger Games, only to have his elation dashed when he is assigned to mentor a girl tribute from impoverished District 12. Hmm. All right, so hearing that synopsis of the story, it looks like we're going to get really deep into a new character from Mm -hmm. District 12. We're diving deep into the motivations and the background of the evil President Snow from the Hunger Games. This is, what, 60-something years Mm -hmm. before the events of the Hunger Games with Katniss Everdeen. From this synopsis, from these concepts, are you excited? Do you want this? So I think it'll be good as long as we do that. We we follow President Snow and we don't try to, you know, create this character that Rachel Sigler is going to be playing to create another female-led movie and it mm, be... Another Katniss Everdeen. I, I have no problem with a female-led movie as a... But I don't want it to that to be the motivation i'm more interested in in his motivation yeah yeah because we know his character and they can say oh this will be a you know president snow movie all right young Mm -hmm. president with that said i think we're going to be diving into both i think we'll at least on the surface we'll be able to see a lot of president snow as well as a lot of this new character because the runtime is two hours and 45 minutes Mm -hmm. um that's Oof, long. Indeed, that is almost three hours. I'm already tired by yeah. hearing that. You know, based on the book content, a lot of people are saying that's not enough time. Right? Yeah. So, I, it's interesting. Um, uh, it, it, it is interesting casting for her character to be coming from District 12. Mm-hmm. Um, just because how we know we know what District 12 is. It's all... Um, mm-hmm. coal miners. It's it's yeah. Well, it's it's the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, it's like you it's like like you know you see in the first movie they're like in Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it would be a more interesting story, and that I would love is a President Snow story, but also maybe District One or Two mm. to to explain the whole you know career path. Um, districts because yeah, I, I I would I would love to see something like that. One and two, there are career path districts where they ch- they volunteer every year, like 
you are born and you are raised to go to the games. You, mm-hmm. you, they're your gladiators in life. Yeah, they're gladiators to go to the games, and so you train for your basically whole life till you are about to age out, and then you volunteer. And you're mm-hmm. the you're so. I feel like that. Look, okay, we get explain it. some stuff. I don't think I. I hey. personally don't think that that's a good idea. And why? Because it's not interesting. It's it, the reason mm. why they chose to do District Twelve is because it adds why, it adds but... new depth to the relationship President Snow has with District Twelve already. When we get to Katniss Everdeen's story, right? Yeah, that's but the intention it's, behind it's, I, the writers. Personally, I, I get. I, I I know that's the intention. I just I, I agree with Josh. It's it would be more interesting to see what's yeah. going on in the other districts. And we like get you said, enough of that inside of the books of the Hunger Games. No, like it goes no, deep into those no, characters. That's like, wrong. it goes that's, deep enough. It goes no, deep enough. That's like saying there's 12 kids, but you're only going to follow one kid right. the whole no, time. It's, there's, like, no, there's, follow the there's, there's that's what a story so does. many stories. There's so many kinds of stories that you can tell with what they've set up in the lore and mm-hmm. going back to district district 12, 12 again yeah. it's we're going back to tatooine <laughs> look, you're look, wrong this is this is the 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 crux of of this story is the contentious relationship between the districts specifically district 12 which has always been the biggest issue when it comes to president no. snow and Wait, what? the capital no, they, right it's all never... it's about this if you talk about locale it's the it's the the problems between the Capitol and District 12. That's the okay. whole story. No. The Star Wars story is not about the problems that happen on Tatooine. You know what I mean? I mean, if, it kind of is. If they want to tell a story, okay, let me change my answer. Maybe don't make it one and two. Make it District 13. Isn't that the one that got bombed and got- Yeah, that's the one that uh, got destroyed. It is. Make it District, make her part of District 13. Well, we don't know the- way more sense. Hold on, we don't know the books. And I can't remember at what point in time District 13 was bombed. That might be this, included. That's, that's why they that's why they started the Hunger Games to remind people about what happened with dif- District 13. Okay, so, this, so maybe this, they're probably going to allude to that a lot in this. Maybe, maybe. yes, I'm, I'm, the they will 100. percent They will 100. percent um, I just I, no, I, I'm. I'm not angry at it. I just I think it's probably going to be kind of played out. We're going to see a lot of member berries, mm-hmm. um, yeah, see, uh, and, that, and and things where it's like, look, this is what's going to happen in the future because of right. the other movies. That's um, boring. Looking That's at boring. this cast list, who are you most excited? Peter Dinklage. He's one of my favorite. Um, He's so good. I like. Uh, you know, I like Jason Swar- Schwartzman. I think that's a good yeah. cast for for the uh, the the Flickerman uh, uh, patriarch. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good cast. I I, I love Dinklage. Dinklage is good. He's a uh, good actor. We did talk about this on our reaction video, but you know, Viola Davis. Bleh. Well, Boring. here's the thing, Viola Davis is similar to the Rachel Zegler thing. And, and a lot of people, no. I'm sure, probably listen to this podcast and be like, dang, they don't have anything good to say about women actors. Well, we do <laughs> agree <laughs> uh, in general. I think the problem is all the women that adopt the uh, the really weird 
ideologies yes. and then yes. flaunt them. Viola Davis is in that category, hardcore. She mm. is a good actor. She's really, really a good actor. She can embody a part and that I'm not take I don't want to take away her skill, but she does choose outside of her roles and, and sometimes inside her roles, like with Woman King, to just play the strong uh woke woman. Mm. Doesn't matter what the character yeah, is. Yeah, she's not a bad act I and I think she's probably gonna do a similar portrayal for this character. Uh for from what from what from what I saw in the in the trailers. Oh, but she's, but I, yeah. I, she, when you say similar, what are you referring to? Like leader, to leader what? woman. She's going to oh, be leader. Oh, gotcha. Got leader okay, woman. Which is a lot of leader roles. Yeah, is a lot of Amanda Waller in um, Suicide Squad. She's leader woman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Woman King. She's leader woman. There's she plays leader woman a lot. Right. It's probably just because her presence and her stare she has a commanding presence she yeah. does she really does um and you know you kind of play into what you're good at uh and there's nothing wrong with leader woman role it just no. it, it can get played out if you look if I'm, you're not careful i'm not i'm not thrilled about I'm, I'm not incredibly thrilled about the performance we're going to get from viola davis in this movie but also i'm not gonna i can't hate on it either because i think it's gonna be as interesting potentially mm. as someone like you know burn gorman you know uh, gorman or, always gives an interesting performance creepy yeah. guy right creepy right. bad guy i, I think always I, so good i think josh was on to something when you say who's gonna be the real standout here i think dinklage is probably gonna be the standout. dinklage is gonna be probably standout. i i would love viola davis to prove me 100 percent wrong and she's gonna she's gonna play an interesting character it's probably her name just is not dr volumnia <laughs> i would love her to prove me wrong but i'm heavily looking at dinklage because i think he has always been a good actor and i i know dinklage is gonna give give a good performance yeah um i i think i don't know who uh uh i'm guessing tigress snow is um uh coralanus's sister played by hunter mm-hmm. schaefer uh probably Second, yeah. probably yeah, his yeah. sister or cousin mm-hmm. i love um uh advisor characters mm-hmm uh, characters who tell the the main characters like, "What are you doing? You know, are you so like, are you falling like in, are you Harrelson? falling in love with this person? Like Woody Harrelson yeah. in The Hunger Games? Um, why advisor. aren't you? You need to be more careful. I love those characters, uh, advisor characters who question the main character's motivations, who mm-hmm. give them um, you know moral quandaries and and things to think about. I think can be strong characters and yeah, we're talking. Uh, I think like, uh, I think Woody Harrelson did a really good job. I think uh, Elizabeth Banks did a really good job with her character mm-hmm. uh, as it developed. Um, she she's the one who played um, Effie, right? Yes. Okay. And that's it's it's interesting. To, it, those sort of side, you know, like Cinna, those yep. side mm-hmm. characters who give advice, who question, you know, what the Which main the character book, is doing. In the book, Cinna was. It probably one of my most interesting. Oh yeah, characters. yeah. He and was one books, of my favorite. Was and awesome. even in the mo- even in the movies, he he was you know comes Lenny Kravitz. Lenny Lenny Kravitz comes through strong. Mm-hmm. He really does. Well, I think I I 
when he gets killed though, spoiler, when he gets killed, uh, beat up as she's going in the second movie in in the second mm. book, when she's being already in the, the tube that's sending her up into the hunger mm-hmm. games and then they come and kill him right in front of her when she can do, they nothing. don't know. Well, they never, she sure never they, in the books. They never answer that if, if he died or not. Well, yeah. So, so they implied it to really mess mm-hmm. with her. So this, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no, uh, that was a, that was a part of it. It was, there was a big psychological thing about it. Yes. Was, and did, so is he gone that nobody right. will ever know? I will say that book hit harder in that moment as far mm-hmm. as emotional impact than the movies did, yeah. but the movies made they it had a lot of personal like conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I am interested in in Snow's character, his actor Tom Tom Blythe. I uh, yeah, I don't know a lot about him, and I don't I don't think I have good reference. Can you click, so. click on his uh, click on that actor? I'm curious what he's been in outside of this. See if I've seen right. him in anything. Let's see. So he was in Robin Hood with Russell Crowe, which um, I child. Is, yeah, kind of forgettable yeah, he role. Probably he must have been, been young yeah, then. Did. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know feral a lot of child these. number four. Feral child. I mean, he doesn't have a ton of acting. Looks like, looks like a lot of British stuff. I'm assuming yeah. he's somewhat British. So I'm going to guess this is probably, and the, the last two things were shows. One episode, mm-hmm. eight episodes. Um, it looks like Billy the Kid was a big was a big role for him, and this might be his next big breakout thing, right? So, yeah. um, so yeah, uh, relatively new as far as on a lot of people's eyes, maybe he just shines as bright as someone like Austin Butler and we see him in a lot of stuff. We'll see. That would be cool. I, I always mm-hmm. love seeing, um, a, a standout performance, uh, somebody coming up who hasn't been in a ton of stuff and right. then all of a sudden, boom, they're on the scene. They're making uh, waves. Yeah. It's like that kind of happened with, um, I want to say that happened with Tom Holland. He was just there all of a sudden. Yeah, he I mean, got he had, everything. And he had he had been there. He had been, been in there. Hollywood. Yeah, with, with, we had like seen some possible. of the things he was in. But then, bang, he was just mm, there. He was on the scene. Yeah. Right. And so we'll see about this uh, This Tom Blythe. I, I'm curious. His performance in the trailer looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, him portraying Snow. I, I, I hope I haven't read the book and I did read all the Hunger Game books, but I haven't read this book. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm debating if I if I am and if I do read it before or after. I don't know yet. So yeah. Um, so if if I don't know exactly where the story leads and I don't want to know if you people want to spoil it in the comments, please don't. But I hope it takes <laughs> a really dark turn. Like I really hope that. Yeah, his character I think it will. Ends with like. What, what is it like uh the empire strikes back you know what i mean something mm-hmm. that's just the end of the movie is just and here comes this character who is in power for the next 60 years so you know what, what, I mean? what you're saying is we need that's what this, i want to see you know the end of the godfather you know yeah michael Corleone becomes yes. the godfather and he the last scene is him kind of be uh going and being the godfather to his sister's child but as as that's happening we see like him killing like 20 different people the heads right. of the families mm-hmm. and yeah, i want to see the cleverness proving, of this yeah. character really coming that. out i would also i would also like to point out that he looks very snazzy here in this picture and he has the <laughs> appropriate length of collar 
for <laughs> you, you do. Know. <laughs> that's a that's good a, collar. I kind of like that length in a, in a collar. If you're going to button it all the way up, I think Go that looks that. good. Yeah. Okay, hear Call me out. This is what they need. They need him making a toast after the Hunger Games is over, being like, that was a good year. We we had a good rise with the Hunger Games and like that was <laughs> good a good, rise, and, right. or good, good year of Hunger Games. And then they take a drink and everybody's being choked out because we know that um, President- So you're, you, you want like, it to be like the end of House Frey kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, stuff like yes. that. Yeah, I would like to see some, some like, Game of Thrones type thing in this. Him making a toast and everybody is, is mm -hmm. dying because they're drinking poison. And then we see his glass and he's like, got a little bit of blood in it because he had the poison too but yeah uh, right because he was willing he was willing to go the distance to get what he yes. wanted mm -hmm. uh and that yeah that would be interesting it, i think if they do this right if he performs this correctly it could even add gravitas to um donald sutherland's performance oh yeah in yeah. the original movies who yeah. I w we went we watched those recently and my gosh Sutherland is good. He went hard in that role. He's just he's ominous and he's he's a good, he's a good actor. He's a he's a solid presence on screen. He, look, if you read the book of the, his description and then see him on screen, perfect match. Perfect. I mean perfect yeah. match. He's like it's like to your face he seems harmless. Mm -hmm. But there is something behind his eyes that yeah, you know he it. is a monster. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just beautifully done by him. And so I hope we get to see some of that here, or at least like the rise in that psyche for his character. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I think we need to move on. We got two more things to talk about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, look, I told oh, you we got a dense are, podcast. Are we talking today. about, uh, you know, Kirk Cameron or no? That yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so there's an interview that Dallas Jenkins, the director of The Chosen, creator of The Chosen, mm -hmm. uh, sat down with Kirk Cameron on his show, and um, and they had an interesting segment. It, it was kind of like a really good synopsis of where, you know, the issue with getting inspiration from the Bible and outside mm -hmm. of the Bible getting inspiration okay. and kind of like the contentious relationship that has uh, in, in Dallas's mind. And so we, he's talked about this plenty of times and we haven't really talked about it at length. Um, and so I want to watch a clip. I want to hear him explain it. And then I want us to share our thoughts uh, a little bit about this because he summarizes it well. I think after saying it for so long and explaining how he views this, I think it's a really good synopsis. So mm -hmm. let's go ahead and watch this, and then uh, and then we'll, we'll, we'll. I'd like to discuss it with you guys. Apart from the Bible, where else do you gain inspiration for making the chosen? Well, yeah, the Bible is our primary source of truth and inspiration. But obviously, when you're That's doing eight episodes per season, and the Bible, the Gospels weren't written in TV show format. Uh, honestly the bulk of our inspiration comes from our own lives, you know, humanity. Uh, one of the number one things people say after watching The Chosen is it feels human. It feels real. It feels yeah. like I, I could place yeah. myself. I could see Jesus through their eyes. And so uh, what we've, one of the things I think we're really trying to do is uh, connect the fact that the people 2,000 years ago had the same questions, struggles, mm. doubts. They dealt with oppression. They dealt with uh, sociopolitical divides. They, de mm. they, they dealt with... Um, 
struggles, doubts, all of that stuff that we face today. And when you can realize that, it makes it makes it even more powerful. That said, you know, when you see, for example, Simon and his wife Eden at home having an argument or having a, a moment of, of romance, uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot from my own life as well. You know, you, you'll see, you, when you're seeing some of that stuff, you're going. And I, the fact that some of our crew members, when we were filming some of these scenes, were going, "Do you have a recording at my home right now?" Like this, yeah, this, this, we, this marital argument sounds exactly been there. like what we have when I come home from a trip, or in, in the case of Simon and Eden, uh, you know, Simon's been called by Jesus. He's in ministry. She supports that. She loves that. She's proud of her husband. And yet, when he's gone for three weeks, that doesn't make it any easier. Just because she's supportive of it doesn't mm. make it easier. So when he comes home yeah. and some of the tension that they have, yeah, that comes from my own life. So that, that brings a unique challenge that uh, I've faced it in some of the some of the projects that I've tried to do, not, not nearly to the extent that you are, but how do you navigate being historically accurate and also being um, creatively fresh? Before we go on, because it's a little bit longer clip, I wanted to mm-hmm. see what you guys' thoughts were up to this point. Oh, it makes 100% yeah. uh, well, sense. I've always it it said, makes perfect sense. Yeah, I've always said watching the show that um, – the the realness they bring to these characters work. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I think the most the moments that are probably my favorite are these, you know, interactions of, you know, like you said, Simon and um, his wife, and mm-hmm. the moments of uh, w- which disciple had the bum leg or, or it, it was limping and went to Jesus and said, James, little James. Yes. Little James. He said, how can with this, you're healing everybody, but you won't heal me. And that mm-hmm. moment I think was, that was my, f- probably one of my favorite moments of the show so far, mm-hmm. because it just, it, it's not in the Bible, that conversation, but that makes so much sense. And it, it felt so real. Because and- we've had those questions. We, yes. you, you know, as, as a Christian, yes. you've, you've, you've prayed that I'm sure, you know, why mm-hmm. is, why is everybody else seeing this success or why is everybody else, yes. you know, healed and I'm not, and I'm, you know, and, and so, yeah, pulling those real moments from our lives and, you know, what we experience. And I don't think it just resonates with us as Christians. I think that can resonate with everybody. Because, everybody yeah, has yeah. those moments of, right you know, a real interaction that you have with your friends or with your wife or, you know, however it is. And that's, that's cool. They have to be able to tell a biblically accurate Bible story, Mm -hmm. but also a, um, um, a story that's accurate to, uh, the human experience. Right. Okay. Um, So he actually, he actually, he, he's about to he's about to cover this. So let, yeah, let's actually let's watch. Let's, the rest let's of hear it. what he has to say, and then we'll come back to that because he's about to jump into that content. I, I know there are some people who are only comfortable with seeing the words of Scripture reenacted exactly. That's been done multiple times. Uh, the Jesus film, Gospel of Matthew, all that, and it's great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I would I would contend that most people would agree that watching those, especially when you've read the stories is interesting but not not very not as not as engaging as just going ahead and reading god's word now when a pastor gets up to preach he doesn't literally get up read a passage of scripture and sit down he gives you historical context he gives you cultural context he gives you and sometimes he'll even say a pastor might even say 
Put yourself there for a second. Imagine what you might be experiencing. Right. Now, that's not at all to contradict or pull you away from God's no. word. It's to give you context that mm -hmm. the readers at the time did have. Because a lot of these books of the Bible at the time weren't, like when, when Matthew was writing his gospel, he didn't know it was going to be part of a larger Bible. He was telling his story, giving, his, giving the gospel according to Matthew, and the readers at the time actually understood and had context for some of the things he was referencing that we don't have context for. Now, here's a very important question that we ask ourselves every time we write anything. Because to your point, it is scary. It is dangerous. How do we navigate it? Want to be honoring to the Gospels, but we're also creating a TV show and being creative. Our operating question is, is this plausible? We know that mm -hmm. not all of it is factual, but is this plausible? And that includes historical, cultural, but also, does this fit within the character and intentions of Jesus in the Gospels? Mm. I make it very clear. I'm going to make it clear right now. I'm not God. The show isn't the Bible. Jonathan, Rumi, is not Jesus. Jesus. We make that clear all the time. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yes, just in case people were confused. Just in case. But we make that clear all the time. We don't idolize the show. The show is not a replacement for Scripture. Never will be, never should be. However, we do think if it's plausible if this does fit within the character and intentions of Jesus and the Gospels, we believe that we can do a first-century drama that, that, uh, that uses the Bible as its primary source of truth and inspiration and hopefully ultimately draws people closer to Scripture. Which is why you can add characters in there, like Eden, the wife of Peter. Uh, you can create things that we don't read in the Scriptures but are plausible and may help us to relate even more to what we do read in the Bible. Right. Now, if we were doing that and then changing what was in the Bible, oh, yeah. this doesn't feel very relatable. Let's yeah. change it. Yeah. Let's make Jesus mm -hmm. a little softer. Let's make uh, Peter, let's, let's have him not go through these struggles because we want to make it, because we want to treat him differently. Or, uh, th that would be a problem. All right. So that's that's kind of the segment. But yeah. So it, it's a, I thought it was... It was he gave a good synopsis of the approach because I feel like even on YouTube today, we're still mm -hmm. constantly at least I'm still constantly seeing people making videos talking about, this, yeah. talking about it, being like, it's not in the Bible. Every time during when the show when a new season's coming out, every time a new episode comes out, there's someone over there saying, like, this is not biblically accurate because this character is not even in the Bible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I wanted to at least talk through it with you guys. Like, do you agree with, with his take? You know, is it plausible? That's like a, you start with the grounds of um, the Bible is the inspiration for the direction of the story. And then is it plausible to add, uh, add context that not necessarily might be in the Bible? You know what I yeah. mean? I think, I think it works. And I think, I also like it because it does apply to us, but also this is something, like he said, we've seen the Jesus story. He is making a Jesus story or a uh, Bible-based show, mm -hmm. biblical show, but he's he's trying to do something different or he's, he's trying to make, I, I would say if I was going to define the chosen, I would say it's like during the time of Jesus and during that time, but I wouldn't say maybe it is about, I wouldn't fully say like, oh, it's, it's the Bible, you know, right. it, it is, it's the chosen, it's the followers of Jesus. It's not about mm -hmm. Jesus. Um, that's why in some scenarios, Jesus, it, they don't focus on Jesus. Jesus is not the main character. Even, um, we've talked about this before where we're predicting like 
the episodes where later on and probably the last season or one or the second from last season where Jesus gets crucified, it probably will not be about the crucifixion as much as what are the disciples doing during that time of mm-hmm. the crucifixion? It probably, mm-hmm. it'll show us, but it, I don't think it's going to be focused. This is not another passion. And this obviously two, another- two huge events during that period is um, Simon Peter denying Jesus three yes. times or, three times and then also Judas betraying and then going in yes. and and committing suicide. So those so, are the two big follower events. So it's it'd be interested to see what else is is wrapped around that, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I think uh, why well, what are your what are your thoughts cuz I know we all have a variety of opinions here and, and I I'll think be, I'll be right back. Wait. Go ahead, why? Um I'm uh No, I'm glad that he's making a point to let people know that the the things in the show are not, you know, necessarily scriptural, that they are having Mm -hmm. to be creative with what they do and with what they create. And it's important to recognize that um, these this isn't the Bible. Right. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't. It's it's based on the word of God, and so while, you know, yes, all of the things that are that that should be important to Peter in the Bible are there. That's mm-hmm. important that they are that every every bit of like kind of who he is in the bible is in his character in the show but that yeah. they also have to write a character for the show and they're right. using his personality that we know of based you know from the bible um i you know it's to it's, add like marital problems yeah you know what I mean? to add 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 things that don't contradict but also are plausible help help us to relate to his character Mm-hmm. Um, cause that's what you want to do with a show like this. It's called the chosen. Um, you want people to relate to those characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, so and I'm, I'm glad he's talked about it. Right. And there, there are so many different elements. I know we talk a lot. He mentions, uh, Simon and the relationship with Eden, but there's so many different layers to, all the different stories they're telling, even in just season three. I mean, we're talking about, um, I can't, I, I think it's Andrew, uh, but even just like the relationship that he has with, with John the Baptist when he's in prison, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, yeah. Or getting into, um, dang it, I can't remember everybody's name. I'd know their face, but the guy who's interested in the girl and uh, and he wants to ask the father for the blessing, and they they got like a, a kind of fun, attracted. They want to kind of court each other, mm-hmm. you know, energy mm-hmm. with each other. There's so many different stories with all these different disciples. You got yeah. the zealot um, dealing with his past because the Bible just mentions he was a zealot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we don't go into that any further. But what did that look like? potentially for him as a disciple to have a past with the Jewish zealots who literally had assassination plots and, and carried out these crazy, these crazy, um, tact, uh, tactical missions, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so 
does that past follow him into his ministry into his discipleship with Jesus. It's like what it there's all these plausible concepts that these characters are built around that um and and I think the most interesting one in my opinion is how deep they get into the relationship Matthew has as a tax collector to not yes. only not only the Jewish people but then with these other guys, you know. Yeah. That the Romans he's in close with the Romans with the other disciples. Yeah. Everybody, I think Matthew's character is one of the most interesting disciples. And I think Judas, as we get into season four, I think Judas is going to become even more interesting as well, you know? Yeah, uh, I, th- I th- also think so. Um, it, it, I'm very much looking forward to this next season and um, I'm curious what direction they take it. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm, mm-hmm. They haven't released any dates yet, have they? Because they're done filming. Yeah, they're done filming, and honestly, they 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 start releasing it once they get things edited, and not like mm-hmm. get everything edited and then release it. So yeah. literally, they'll they'll release an episode and say, "All right, well, we're still editing number two, and then like a month and a half later, release episode two. You know what I mean? They, I'm so, curious if that's going to change at all because it they're wanting will. to because it's gotten so big, and they want to. Um, premiere it in theaters and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's there's talks so, of every episode coming out in theaters. You know, now that yeah, they have so it's probably that's probably going to change with um, their plans on how they're going to release it. It will because so if they if they say if they say okay, we're going to release every episode. Well, then Lionsgate's going to be like, all right, well, we definitely have to have everything done, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then and then we'll ha- we'll create a theatrical run schedule, and then we'll and then yeah. you guys can decide after that when like your your app release schedule you know what i mean yeah um, so yeah it's going to get more structured on release but there's no dates mentioned all the only thing that's mentioned is potentially all episodes having a theatrical release like they did mm-hmm. with the first and last episode of the chosen from cool. last season yeah. yeah i think it'll be fun yeah, i i'd like that if we're if they're doing every single episode i'd like the tickets to be a little less you know yeah. what I mean? Because <laughs> if I have to buy, <laughs> if I have to buy eight to ten tickets to see all the episodes, mm-hmm. and they're e- each like fifteen dollars a pop, I'm gonna be like, dang, man, dang, mm-hmm. that's a that's a that's a steal. yeah. I don't want to go watch a thirty minute episode for fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? I think I would rather think- just support. I would rather just support the show on the app. Right. You know what? I think there's. I think they actually. They actually combined like either two or three episodes into one theatrical viewing. Okay, yeah, yeah that's that better. would make more sense. So that, that makes way we more get a, like a feature length, feature like content, right? Yeah, content. So maybe there'll only be like three theatrical uh, showings, but all of the season is there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Uh, anyways, that that's all. I think that's. It, that is interesting and and it's something that he keeps on talking about and keeps repeating himself but i think in some fashion that was probably mm-hmm. the best synopsis of that concept that i've heard him yeah heard him say um I, and i have i have one last thing cuz i know we're okay. getting a little long but i have one thing i want to bring up and and kind of share get you guys thoughts on cuz it's popular it's it's going around so um the creator new movie uh gareth edwards director he did rogue one mm-hmm. um there's another movie he did that is really good that I can't remember. And uh, what, what was it? And, and well, Greg Frazier and, and um, Oren Sofer were the director of photographies for this, this movie. 
there is something interesting that has been discovered about the trailer. Okay. Okay. What what what's about the trailer? So in the trailer, have either of you guys heard about this? No, not at all. Okay. Um, and honestly, I didn't even. I definitely I had to do some research on this because I'm not super caught up with stuff. So in the trailer, there's like kind of close to the top. There's like B-roll of explosions and stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, apparently, so Corridor Crew found somebody talking about this on Reddit, and then they kind of brought it to light, and now it's gone around a lot more. I don't have their video just because I don't want to just hear their conversation on it. They were kind of bummed as well as, uh, and so I'll, I'll show you this little video though. Okay. Okay. So the basic idea is that there is a shot in the trailer that basically takes a real life explosion. Um, Mm -hmm. What is it in, in Beirut that happened, I think a few years ago and there was some security footage that saw the explosion and they basically they basically created a a scenario that looks exactly the same. So let me yeah. play this little side by side of the the Beirut explosion and then the shot of the explosion that happens in the trailer. So let's see. I'm gonna mute this just because I don't know if that music's copywritten. But um Yeah. So it and it is it is for sure a copy because uh mm-hmm. you guys see my mouse right here. Yeah. yeah. So like right here, the the buildings are structured, the, the composition structured the same, but yeah. like this thing right here, see that little thing that it just went by at mm-hmm. the top of the building? It Let's see if it pans. It, it's basically exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, right yeah. there, that thing right there. So look, see that? that that's yes. for sure it's exactly the same thing. And so it's, it's pretty much confirmed. They use this as a model. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't know how to feel about it because it's like, well, this is a real tragedy. You know what I mean? Uh, 200 and something people died and like 7,000 people were injured. And so they're kind of like saying, well, if we're, if we're entering a entertaining movie for Mm -hmm. uh, like for sci-fi that's supposed to, people are supposed to go and enjoy it. It kind of feels wrong. It feels wrong to include footage from a real life tragedy. You know what I mean? Right. I don't, have a problem with this. I think I don't want to make light of the situation and what actually happened, but I don't have a problem with this. Two hundred and eighteen deaths in the in the explosion, and it happened mm-hmm. in twenty. Well, I think. Um, I think we need you. You kind of have to recognize that uh, art mimics reality, mm-hmm. and the inspiration for what something looks like. You know, it does come from real life. I how many how many nuclear explosions have we shown on screen? How many tidal waves? How many mm-hmm. you know, just uh uh horrifying things that we have seen right. that you know, are the basis. And maybe kind of doing this almost shot for shot remake is uh a little bit disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps to to the folks who were affected by uh, that tragedy, um, it is uh, it is important to realize that we we do take inspiration from these things, and I think as long as they do it in a 
taste uh, tasteful as long as they do it in a respectful way yeah uh, mm-hmm. to recognize that this is a terrible thing that happened you know i mean in like the story but, like in the story yeah, in, the, sto- in the story yeah it's in the story it's a terrible thing that happens and not like oh sick this explosion is so awesome right you know but do you um, think with a trailer um with it opening with you know fictionalized explosions i don't think this should have been with in the, the real one no 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 i i don't, I, I don't think it should have been in a trailer i, I it was think, that's that's and i think that's the big controversy is like it's like especially in a trailer a trailer is supposed to be a spectacle mm, to get people mm-hmm. excited for the movie and to utilize a literally to it's it's like it's not that they couldn't they couldn't have created something that was similar but they literally did a they changed like what the buildings kind of were looked like, mm-hmm. but they didn't even change the shape of the composition or, or how everything, I mean, even like there's like a, there's like an atmospheric kind of like streak across the sky in the real security footage that they kept in, you know? Yeah. It's, it, it's like down to the details of composition. They didn't, it's, they didn't want to change it and they didn't have to do that. It's almost like someone someone got lazy and was like, well, let me just use this real footage and I'll just change what the buildings look like, but mm-hmm. it'll save me time. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's uh, it could be, you know, uh, we we could be a, at a point with, you know, whoever this director is, whatever he sees in his vision where he's like, if it doesn't look like, you know, reality, mm-hmm. I don't want it. Mm. And that can maybe that can maybe be a bad thing. Um, He's like, so leave that streak in. (laughs) So. All right. So Gareth Edwards, he uh, he did the the first Godzilla, which I really liked Mm -hmm. that you don't like because you feel it's not that I don't like it. I just think I I think the the and it's it's not i think it is a fact that godzilla changes sizes in that movie like three different times yeah he does but i love it i think i think the 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 how we see godzilla the majority of the film is is the monstrousness of him by constantly looking mm-hmm. up at him or like when they're they're jumping out of the airplane you are like next to him and he's like clouded yeah, and i field. like that that's really I cool love, that's one of my yeah, favorite that's really scenes cool. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted more Brian Cranston and more Godzilla in the movie. Yeah. I don't. I don't like zooming out so far to make to like see these tit- Titan monsters. So mm-hmm. like zoom out so far so they just look regular tall. size. I don't like that. I love the fact. Well, that at it, this point, has, the monsters are more interesting than the human characters. I'm okay seeing the perspective of the monsters from the humans as long as the mm-hmm. humans are interesting. And I but think that's not, what the first Godzilla not, was. If well, not, is, show me monsters. True. This is not about true. Godzilla. This is about the yes, creator. The creator. Yeah. Right. So, so he directed Gareth Edwards also one. did. He directed the first the one. He came out with a bang. I thought it was awesome. He also did Rogue One with. Greg Frazier on Rogue mm-hmm. One, and now uh, and he did another movie called, or he did the visual effects. He, so he didn't direct another movie called Monsters. Um, he's done a good bit, but those are his most well knowns, and now the mm-hmm. creator. So, um, so he does seem kind of like he's he's a he's an interesting artist director. And so yeah. I don't I don't know a lot about him. I know I guess Greg Frazier likes working with him, and so um, so we'll see we'll see what 
what this movie ends up being. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I have, I do have a, I do have a gut reaction to them using real life tragedy footage. Yeah, for- I do too. I do too. I don't think that's uh, great. It's not a good look. Definitely it's not, not a good, a good look. look. Um, Maybe he didn't I even wish know there was it. some more. <laughs> yeah, I would. I wish there was some more information on that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they need to address it at some point. Mm-hmm. Maybe. If it wasn't his choice, maybe we need to hear that it was yeah. someone else's. Because also, like, why would you put it in the trailer? Mm-hmm. Like, unless, unless, yeah. unless the movie's full of this, unless the movie intentionally is like, we cross-cut fiction with real life, and that's the interesting part of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that's the intention, but if it was like I think this he has, shot, how did it end up in the trailer? I, I he, he clearly has a passion in his movies for the way that destruction looks. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, I mean the way, the way Godzilla comes out of the water, the way, you know, the buildings break, the way the things burn and explode. And, you know, even in rogue one, uh, when they drop the big explosions and things, he, he clearly has a passion for this, you know, big scope, um, sci-fi, destruction right and it's absolutely possible that in the making of this that just something got lost in translation Mm. and when you know when looking for reference for um realistic looking destruction that you know the 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 artists you know took almost side by side inspiration from real life and then just put it in the movie right that's true and it's hard to know until it's addressed mm-hmm. and, and we get clarity on it. But, you know, that's that's all I got for today. Um, okay. I'm, I'm curious to curious to discover what's going on with the creator. It's probably that and Dune. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. I did a video that Dune's probably going to be delayed. Yeah. Did you really? You didn't yep. see my video why would on Dune, it? Why would Dune be delayed? It's like mostly it's finished. Because of the strike. It might be, finished. but it does that. So you got to watch my video. It's, I guess it's now on this channel. I guess they can't do any pickups or anything if they need to. Well, no, it's, it's done. The, the main thing is that the actors cannot participate or promote or be involved with anything for the movie during a strike. Ah. And yeah. so they want the Austin Butler, the Florence Pugh, the Timothy, and the yeah, Zendayas yes. out there promoting the movie. Chris Walken. And yeah. Chris Walken, uh, freaking everybody. And they can't until the strike's over. And so they're mm-hmm. considering moving it back along with other titles like The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And um, Gosh, that's a mouthful. Yeah. I, I didn't even say the whole thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, yeah, they, it's it's a it's controversial, and there's no confirmation because Warner Brothers and Legendary own Dune, and mm-hmm. so Warner Brothers kind of wants to do it. And from what I currently had when I made the video, Legendary has not been approached or made a decision on if they're going to delay it yet. So maybe not delayed, but there's definitely a desire to delay it. Mm-hmm.